So I've just completely separated the concepts of digital storage from a digital workspace. I'm just trying to figure out how to tell you that my desktop currently I've seen is it, covered it in... It makes me die. <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 123 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm, uh, I don't know, I do web things I guess? I'm Sam and I do marketing and also art and lots of other things. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Slovember 11, 2017. Feeling a little slow today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity. And then we're going to talk about other shit. So, you know, if you don't want to hear that <laughs> stuff, then get out of here. <laughs> All right. Also, kids shouldn't listen. Well, so. Yeah. But not because of the profanity, though. But because They're of, just too naive. Yeah. You know? We don't want right. to shatter their worldview. So, <laughs> so listen. This, this week... There's like 98 things that happened in yes. the news because Oct- October hasn't released its shitty clutches because uh, <laughs> everything has to happen in October. So we're trying to get Slovember going, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's not working. So here's what here's what happened. All right. All right. We're going to try to like, we're going to really have to plow through these. Let's go. All right. So. So we got some life news for starters. I think we should talk a little bit about, So you know, we talk a lot about developing systems to sort of keep your life in order. Mm-hmm. So, you know, using uh, different like to-do list concepts or doing things like morning pages or whatever. Uh, so what happened in October, guys? So at least for me, over the past six weeks, I, I just, I slowly have been kind of feeling more and more out of whack. And it wasn't until last night I went down, I went, I went home after work and I was just decided to do morning pages at night. So because clearly my sister's night are pages. Not good yeah, I think so, you should just call them night pages. Yeah, so I did night pages. Uh, <laughs> and after 15 minutes of writing, basically realized that all of the systems that I had sort of managed to put in place to keep myself uh, feeling like I was on a good track and keeping everything balanced had slowly, very, very slowly over the course of the last six or eight weeks degraded to the point where basically none of them were actually fully in play. Right. But there was enough of each one of them that it kind of felt like I was still doing it. So... Over the course of this this fifteen minute writing exercise, I realized that uh, I was just supremely off base with where I th- where I thought I was relative to to where I actually was, and so uh, I I sat down and for the next thirty minutes basically replanned out all of my routines. So what happens when you wake up? What happens when you get to work? What happens when you, you get need home? a hard reset? Yep. So I made these and I made them put them on little paper cards. And Staple I put them, them to your face. House. <laughs> Staple them to my face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, put them around the house in the places where, of course, I'm going to run into. Yeah, and then you could use the blood trail conveniently just to kind of it's like help a yeah, navigate. sort of a Hansel and Gretel situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That way you can back, you can work your way back. All yep. of the blood crumbs. Yeah. yeah. If you ever get lost, you just go back over your own blood trail. Mm-hmm. So then this morning I started, woke up, uh, you looked at my list, and I was like, I need to go stretch. So I stretched for ten minutes. I assume this is a paper list, not it's a phone list, list because as soon as you pick up your phone, every, all your systems go to yep. shit again. So that's one of the things, like getting all that stuff just out and onto physical objects out in the world. Um, now when I get home from work every day, I'm just going to go upstairs and plug my phone in because I realized I've been going to that thing just all the damn time. I'm tired of it. So October, man. But I think it's one of the interesting things is that you can do tons of work to build these systems in and imperceptibly over time, they will, they will degrade. They just do degrade. And it's not even, we've talked about the concepts of anti-fragility uh, and fragility, generally speaking, I think last episode, but we were talking about this before. And I think they, systems are by themselves, the things that you create are naturally very prone to entropy and are actually fragile in nature. Yes. There's, as soon as something disrupts them, they right. it's like a cascading effect. So, so there's that, um, that idea of like, if you make your bed in the morning, mm-hmm. then you have a tendency to all that also spills out into other positive habits. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it goes, it goes the other way as well, where as soon as you stop doing one good positive habit, right. Then it they spills. Also cascade. Yeah. And I think we've, we've talked about before how a lot of times if you if you feel like you're so rushed or like you have so much to get done that you can't do something, like, for example, if you if you meditate or do your morning page or something that is one of your activities allows you to sort of build uh, forward, then it's actually a sign that you absolutely must do that thing today. Yeah. So if you're feeling so frenetic that you can't sit down for 10 minutes and write. Because you don't have you your need shit to together. Fucking write. Yeah, you, <laughs> you got to sit down and write. Because you really, literally, you don't have 10 minutes yeah i, I believe, mean i yeah. believe for a second so i think that's that's the thing is like all the systems slowly degrade and it's kind of the question of okay what does it what does it mean uh 
because I, the part that's always annoyed me about this is that it's just, it actually is hard. It's just hard. Always. It's never easy. Yeah. It's hard to be a really effective person. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I don't think anybody who does it, like, yeah, you might, if you catch them in the, on the right swing of things, you're like, wow, they seem like they're easily crushing it. And they probably are. But in their sort of overall arc, it ebbs and flows. It ebbs and flows. Yeah. Well, and even on the best, most, you know, even the best, most impressive people who are just crushing it all the time are still dealing with a daily mental struggle that forces them to do that. Right. Because naturally our brains <laughs> just want us to be like, I'm just going to eat some ice cream and lay around, lay around yeah. you know? Stranger Things 2 just came out, so maybe I'll just <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> but spend I, the entire day watching I it. I did that to get it out of the way, so I just... Yeah, it was mm -hmm. on your task list. Yeah, I just it was on your task down. matrix. Yeah. Uh, so and I, I put every ounce of my energy into that, so it would just be done and out of the way. So I guess, is there is there any way to make systems that are naturally actually anti-fragile in nature where if you so say you get a disruption happen so you have your systems for doing morning pages or sort of keeping your mental health about you and then maybe work goes nuts or there's a family emergency or whatever else everything's just kind of in chaos is there any system that would actually i think thrive under that system? i think you use the buddy system that's the system that you <laughs> okay. use, which is all right, if you if you're say like i'm gonna start exercising mm -hmm. and you just start going to the gym by yourself that's very different than if you and your friend are like we're gonna start exercising and then you just say, we're going to meet at the gym, right? And then you can't, you can't call or text or whatever or cancel beforehand because I'm going to turn my phone off. I'm just going to see you there, right? Mm -hmm. There's no way out. Then you're going to be much more likely to maintain that because somebody else is depending on you to be their spotter. And if you don't show up, they're going to drop a barbell on their neck and die, mm -hmm. right? That's true. Yep. So but I think you have, to, you have to intentionally choose exercise routines that are dangerous that are very dangerous <laughs> um, because otherwise you end up with rock climbing system without yeah. ropes uh yep. bench press only one rep maxes on everything <laughs> yep. um all that stuff yep you so, know two two person zombie battles yep. i think are also yep. good or yep. just battles in general just battles in general um yeah. so you, so <laughs> use the buddy system to reinforce reinforce your systems and so what you can do for your own sort of like life management is have a, a friend or a spouse or whatever and establish a sort of monthly review, you know, wherever, like once a month you get together for lunch and you talk and you like plan out how your systems have been working and then figure out, you know, what to do mm -hmm. and also get feedback on ideas you have about improvements. Yeah. My wife and I have actually started doing this with her, with her new career change so that we can sit down every, every day when I come home from work, we then talk about like how, what was hard to manage today, you know, right. so we can try to think about why is that? What could, how can we try to reframe it? What approaches can we take to make that easier, yeah. easier the next you time? You need some outside perspective yep. and you need somebody sort of, you need to depend on someone, you need somebody to depend on you because otherwise it's, it's virtually impossible to hold yourself purely accountable with yes. no, like for everything. You can, if you can, but it takes an enormous amount of practice and so it, it takes sort too, of a, it's a chicken and egg i think problem. really it takes too much energy frankly like yeah, if you could just, just take exhausting. most of that energy and devote it <laughs> to the doing of the thing because yeah. you weren't trying to make yourself do the thing then that'd be much better so you should find other ways like whenever someone's like yeah i have extremely intense discipline and extremely intense willpower I'm like why you should find find that sounds find like a ways, lot of work yeah. <laughs> <laughs> find ways to not have to do that that actually you know make it so you can divert your energies into a, a the better place. Yeah. The way, the way I like to think about it is instead of, so like willpower is basically you are swimming against the current of life, right? So mm -hmm. everything is trying to push you in a certain way and you're like, no, and you just pushed against it real hard all the time, which is exhausting. Very tiring. Right? So you got to do is be like, how do I get into a different stream? Yeah. Redesign you know, your life. It's just kind of flowing in the way that I want to go mm -hmm. already. Then I can just kind of, you know, sit in a tube. Just, just, just flow. Just tube down just the tube, river. Just tube on through life, you know? <laughs> That's the way to do it. Two bombs. So you got you got a buddy system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of which, Na National Novel Writing Month happened starting a week ago. Mm -hmm. uh, it's happening, I guess. It is currently happening. We forgot to mention it last week when we could have said, "Hey, everybody! Friendly reminder: Nanarimo starts." I think it would have been tomorrow. We, we last could, week, except whatever. I think we actually did everybody a favor. And here's because now they have to catch up. Right. Because the reason the <laughs> National Novel Writing Month is a big deal is because so I, I was reading the book, no plot, no problem, which is by the creator of national novel writing month. Yep. And he's like, so the thing is the one thing that's apparently separates people from being a novelist and not being a novelist is the lack of a deadline. Mm -hmm. And so when you do national novel writing month, people are like, well, fuck, I guess I got to do it now. And then they actually just make the time to do it so that they can get in by the deadline. Right. 
And so I think by just making the deadline even more compact, right. we just really helped out a lot. Right uh, now you have three weeks to write a book. Now you got three weeks to write a novel, which honestly is, which is way more impressive. Mm-hmm, it is. Yeah. yeah. So how's Wait. it going? Who's doing it? Sam, you're not doing no, it. No, I opted out. I, was, I looked at all my systems. I was like, everything's in disarray. You so got Octobered. I got Octobered. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and But you can, of course, of do NaNoWriMo starting at any moment. I could. So, yeah, it is November now. This is, this is important to remember, too, is, is people are always looking for reasons to do things and reasons to not do things. Mainly reasons to not do things. Mostly that one. So if yeah, you nobody's ever looking for reasons yeah, to if, do so things. If, if, you're wanting, <laughs> if you're wanting to be a, a person who has written a novel, but, mm-hmm. you know, you're a weekend in Remo, maybe all of your systems have collapsed and you're like, fuck, I cannot do this. I guess, I guess I'll wait for an entire you know, fucking year. I guess I'm never writing a novel. Yeah, no, don't wait for a year. <laughs> do it the next month. This is actually an interesting point because my, my wife and I were talking about this this morning, actually, because I... Uh, so she's, she quit her job to pursue painting full-time back in May. So it's only been like six months or so. And she's now starting to get like a good stream of, of clients and also like really kind of picking up the paces with the whole thing, really getting into it. And also uh, getting to a point where kind of like where we were with the first six months of making games where the first bit, no one cares and you're struggling super hard. Mm-hmm. And then it's great you kind of figure out, <laughs> yeah, you kind of figure out what you're doing and people care a little bit and you sort of can see that, oh, this, this will actually work. Provided it's I just a, you just gotta really go. But the crazy thing, she was like, she goes, it's only been six months. Yeah. She's like, I was I was so terrified of pursuing my sort of dream, and it only took six months before it, it was started. Well, to, to be fair though, reality. six months full time, which yeah. is a lot. I mean, it's a lot of work. Oh yeah, for but sure. not a lot of it's not a lot of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got if you've got six months lying around, well, this reminds yeah. me too. <laughs> you make your six months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Those reminds me of when. Uh, like a few months ago now when we started playing with Airtable, which mm-hmm. we, we haven't plugged here for a while, so I figured I should Airtable. throw that out. Airtable. Uh, but Seth, Seth was like, there's a whole bunch of books that, I, that I've wanted to read just to like learn a bunch about oh, things right. that I haven't learned. Uh, I think it was what, like a dozen books or something. Yep. And so we made an Airtable thing and calculated out how how long it would take to read each one and all them in total. And then discovered there's going to be something like a cumulative, what, 80 hours? About or 80 hours. Uh, and then he realized all of a sudden he was like, I've been putting these off for years. For like a decade. <laughs> for a decade. <laughs> and the, this whole time, I've only been 80 hours away from having all of this knowledge that I want. It would have been like, you know, five or six leisurely weekends of reading. Yeah. Right. If I just like really just kind of went at it mm-hmm. very half-heartedly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like, yeah, you just don't use these things. I mean, use things like NaNoWriMo and whatever. Use them as a as a... As a good driver to kind of well, kickstart something, but don't don't use them as the reason and don't use the right. absence of it as an excuse. Just recognize why they're good, which is that they they, they make re- you cut your bullshit. Well, they, re- <laughs> they recalibrate your clock. Well, right? and they also create a buddy system because now everybody's doing it at the same time. Yeah, Speaking of which, in our, in our Discord, there is a group of people who are doing NaNoWriMo. There's an NaNoWriMo channel, so you can hop in there if you're doing it um, or if you just want to kind of go spectate. And our, our newly verified Discord server, mm, yeah. which you got, can now get We got to. real fa- So thanks to Discord for believing that we are a real company Those making nice real video games. Yep. So they were like, hey, we'll give you a little, little check mark. Yeah, which that, but they also gave us a URL, which is discord.gg slash bscotch. Yeah. Pretty neat. Which is pretty badass. So we are real yeah. fucking fancy. In so so I ended up doing, for NaNoWriMo, I thought, so we talked about this last week, and I was yep. like, what if you just wrote as fast as possible? And I crunched it out, and I was like, it'd take about nine hours. Mm-hmm. So so I started down this road. The prob- So here's what happened. Yeah, I'll explain so that. I'll explain what happened. We well, all thought it was, amb- I guess I thought it was very ambitious. Oh, so did I. I knew it was impossible, okay. but I just wanted to see if I throw myself against this wall. Yeah. yeah. Just how well, I think f- we should actually start with the, we'll start with the end. What was the outcome? The outcome we'll was I, I wrote uh, 21,000 words over, over the, this past weekend. Over the weekend. Okay. Um, so about 55 pages, single spaced. <laughs> <laughs> but that was on top of all kinds of, there was like social stuff going on. You did yeah. a lot of stuff this weekend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, my wife uh, had a, a minor injury from from exercising, and so I was helping her around the house right. through the weekend. I had to. Your, your I, I dedicated housework. my entire Sunday to housework and errands and groceries and stuff. Um, so really, it was like a. It was pretty. It was actually yeah. It was really just Friday and Saturday. Also, we had a we had a dinner. Also, I managed to watch most of Stranger Things season two. <laughs> um, but yeah. here's the thing: so anyone out there being like, I don't have time. Yeah. So, but here's the thing: what I did was I I didn't look at Reddit. Great. So then I was able to write a novel. In <laughs> so <laughs> describe the process because you didn't get 50,000 words. Done. I didn't get 50,000. I got 21,000. So mm-hmm. I almost hit the halfway mark right. in a weekend. So uh, my initial process was, uh, I was like, I'm not, I don't, 
give a shit about what this is about. Perfect. I don't care who the characters are. I don't care even that they're interesting. I also don't care what their names are or anything, right? And so when I, as I was writing, if I needed to name a character, I would just kind of like hit some letters. And if there were too Which many... Which was apparent if you read... Yeah, so my, my, <laughs> so my main character's name is Ploig. <laughs> P-L-O-Y-G. Or rather, it was because I also had a rule, which is I can't go back. Mm-hmm. I can only go forward. So if I want to change the story, I got to change it next, right. like in some future event. So Ploig... <laughs> just was a real shitty main character. In the first three chapters, he was just real kind of boring and dumb. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, we got to get it. We got to get Ploig out of here. So I introduced a new character by having that character walk up to Ploig and just introduce himself. And then the story just started following that person instead. And then Ploig just kind of disappeared. Did you say he, the he like dies later Ploig on? Ploig dies off screen and like two chapters later and you kind of like hear about it a little bit, but just vaguely because the character, because Ploig also is one of those people who when they, introduce or like when they meet a new person they don't tell them their fucking name you know because <laughs> right. mm-hmm. he just doesn't have that in that him going on yeah so, so the character who ploig met uh saw ploig die but also didn't know who the fuck he was just like vaguely recognized mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh but yeah so then like i and i also put i put the the book on an alien planet where like there's always a different alien right so you can just civilizations you know there's lots of them and so I could like have the characters meet some aliens. And if there's like something about their culture that's interesting, then I can keep those aliens around, you know? But if it turns out that they just weren't that interesting, then I can just like have something happen to them and then just move the story on to <laughs> right. some other place. Right. So, uh, so on the first day I wrote 12,000 words, which was pretty good. Um, and then I averaged about 50 words per minute, sort of like mm-hmm. while I was writing. Cause there's still, you have to think apparently right. <laughs> on yep. the second day I got 7,000 words, and by the time I hit like the 16 to 18,000 word total, it was like a brick wall. Like mm-hmm. ideas just stopped happening. Uh, because, <laughs> uh, I think it's, I've heard that expression that like uh, create creation is like breathing where you have to inhale as well as exhale. So you have mm-hmm. to like, you have to give yourself time to think and read and marinate. consume stuff. Cause creativity comes from fusing ideas together. Right. And so if all you do is just kind of like barf words out as fast as possible for two days. Turns out you run out of words. You just kind of run out of words to say and you got to step back. Now, actually, um, I would disagree with that interpretation. Okay. Mostly yeah. because, and, and Jane and I have been talking about this with her because she's, she's increasing her, her writing output. Yeah. Um, and it was even having discussions about like, why is it, why is it hard to just sit down and like make yourself do something like write just as much as possible or in my case, code just as much as possible. Uh, and the, the fact is, it is not hard for me to code all day. Yeah. I could code all day for a week at a time. Right. And that wouldn't be hard, right? I don't have, I wouldn't even have to make myself do yeah. it. That's not, that's because I've been increasing my stamina. Well, yeah, programming it's, it's because you have a years. lot of, you have a lot of mental models of how right. to make it go. And so like right. for me, I don't this have is, those. This is your writing. first novel. Yeah. Right. You don't have any of that, which yeah. means. Or novel shaped. Novel shaped text. Oh, it's very <laughs> shaped like a novel. <laughs> so, this thing is garbage. Yeah. So as, as you're writing, <laughs> as you're writing, you're battling, you're battling stamina, you're battling lack of uh, experience with it. You're battling. So you're lack saying. Of, well, and I was also embedded in the sort of entropy of life where like the right. whole time I'm writing as much as possible, I'm doing literally nothing else i didn't exercise yep i didn't go outside uh i didn't take care of errands or house chores yeah. or whatever so you're off balance doing a thing that you haven't developed stamina yeah. for so by the time i hit sunday i was looking around there's just like debris everywhere <laughs> you know everything smells kind of weird because i've just been in like one small room for you know just an getting that writer's sweat just that like that person <laughs> smell like there's mm-hmm. just been a person here for a long time you know <laughs> so yeah it wasn't great but it's interesting, Chris. Yeah. And then on Sunday, I just wrote like, you know, 2000 words. Cause right. you know, but anyways, uh, are you going to try to finish it this weekend or what's your, Fuck yeah. you, okay, cool. I'm going to finish it. I don't know what's next, but I haven't known what's next the whole time. So, <laughs> so <it does> <laughs> <get> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah, it's very different than my approach, which is to basically spread this out over the month. So, uh, and just, just write and just fits, fits and spurts, you know, mm-hmm. with that, with the goal of just every time I do, I'm like, okay, I need to get to keep myself from getting, really far behind on the target that I'm going to try to make my fits and spurts be at least as long as it would take to get caught up or get right. past a little bit or whatever. I remember the feeling once you get to 40,000 words, there's very much this like 
oh, fuck yeah. It's like because you can see the finish <laughs> right. line. It's like when you're on a super long road oh, trip. Oh, yeah. Like a five-hour road trip, and then like the last hour, you're just like, nah, just what's like, an hour? Yeah. You know? This is incredible. <laughs> yep. So. Yep. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you guys are, if anybody else is doing uh, Nano Remo, come on into our into our Discord, which is over at discord.gg slash bscotch, mm-hmm. and uh, come come say hi to everybody. We got a, a bunch of people doing it, so it's definitely cool. All right, let's move on to some industry news. There's some shit went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for starters, bunch of studio closures. Yep. Uh, particularly, Runic Games and Motiga were both shut down by perfect world yeah so this is interesting so so uh motiga is the one who just made a game called gigantic which is this this new moba that came out that has very similar structure to all the rest of the mobas but like extremely cartoony and fun characters and animations and then on top of that the gameplay was had a bend to it where you basically ended up summoning these huge creatures that then fought each other and sort of like your abilities you doing stuff on the battlefield affected how well they sort of fought each other and the whole goal is to get your creature to like Godzilla their way through and kill everything. So, uh, and it, I think, I mean, I, from reviews of it, it's a little clunky, but it's like sort of a fun initial concept, but it, their studio ended up getting basically completely shut down. So they have a skeleton crew that's sort of maintaining the servers. Well, they don't, but Perfect World Perfect does. World. Yeah. Um, and then Runic, this is the crazy one, the one that I was like, what? Because Runic made Torchlight in Torchlight 2. And Which also, are fantastic games. And they also just released a game called Hob, yeah. which and I think it's September. Yeah, it was literally a month ago. Yeah. And they're doing, the hub seems like it's doing like okay uh, in the market. Like it's not, it doesn't look like a bomb. It's already got like a thousand Steam reviews. Seems like it's doing okay. Um, And it's a big single player thing. And they got shut down. So uh, in Perfect World, the thing that they said was they're they're turning their focus to online gaming experiences. To games as a service. Games as a service. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think this is, um people have, people have asked us if we would ever consider selling our studio to a mm-hmm. like a bigger company and this is this is one of those like this is just what happens mm-hmm. because as soon as your studio is owned by another company it's not a studio it's an investment and if there's a if there's a moment in time where it's looking like that investment was a bad move then you you, you people they just cut their losses mm-hmm. right so they're just like we'll just take the asset that if they just decide they don't want that kind of an asset in their portfolio. Right. right. We're changing directions. Yeah. And, and they're not going to go, well, there's just like a, you can just go to the studio marketplace and we'll just sell this studio off to another company. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't really happen. Mm-hmm. You just, you just kill it. Right. And so um, this, you see this a lot in the blood, sweat and pixels book as well, which is studios get, they, they get purchased by something and then they have directives that are coming from some, you know, parent company and uh, they're often very chaotic and confused and they, or projects get scrapped after a year because of some higher directive. And so uh, this is just one of those things. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's just a bummer to see, honestly, because especially with, especially with Runic, I haven't heard of anything else that Motiga made. I don't know if G- Gigantic was their first thing, um, but, but with Runic, I mean, the Torchlight games are phenomenal and yeah. The company's still good. Perfect Worlds will still be selling them, so they're still on the marketplace. But uh, just that that whole collection of, of devs and the stuff that they make not being around anymore or having to be sort of scattered again, uh, yep. it's just a bummer. Big bummer. So, so being independent is, or, or yeah, being the parent company yeah. is the way to ensure that you are still around five years from now, right. you know. Right. But everything else is, and I actually remember um, when I first started making games in Iowa, I was in Iowa City, which is where I believe uh, Budcat Games, which was involved in Guitar Hero. Mm-hmm. Um, and the year before I moved to Iowa City, uh, they had been bought by Activision, and then they just killed the studio because <laughs> mm-hmm. like, they wanted the Guitar Hero IP, and oh. they just kind of they were like, "Yeah," and then they just everybody showed up to work one day, and there was just uh, there were guards, and everybody got their severance and sold the building, and that everything was gone. So well, I was just like that. That was the one game studio in Iowa, basically. <laughs> Not anymore. So that's just how it goes. Turbulent um, place. Yeah. All right. More industry news. Starcraft going free to play. I don't know what this means. Who even knows what's happening? Yeah, I don't know. I, Why? Why is Starcraft 2. Yes. Starcraft 2. Because they want, they want to actually pull it into the competitive scene, which of course, all of the games that are on the competitive scene are free to play. Right. Games need, is a service. You know what I mean? Correct. Like you got to yep. sell those loot crates and skins yep, and shit. So. What? So that's where does that's this going. mean that Blizzard in general is going in the in that direction of 
Actually, are they already doing this for Overwatch? Or are they doing loot crates? Overwatch is paid. Yeah, you crates. buy the game, but then there's loot crates. There's loot crates. And then, of course, WoW has been a subscription game, but you still buy the game and they sell and they sell stuff. IAPs. But at least they sell stuff as opposed to maybe stuff, which is what a loot crate is. Well, we'll give them time. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, Hearthstone yeah. is all you know, free game with random card packs. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I do want to say we watched yesterday. So, so Overwatch or uh, Blizzard had. BlizzCon, I think last week or sometime in the last little while, and they showed a video of uh, their game director, Jeff Jeff Kaplan on Overwatch. They put together a little sort of video compilation of Overwatch as a work in progress. So essentially, you get to see the initial prototypes all the way up to you know it being a what looks like a game. <laughs> yeah. And if you ever wanted to just like see how the how things come together. See how the sausage is made. Um, well, it's funny too because they, they jump like two months at a time, mm-hmm. you know, and the game, like you just see, it just looks a little bit different each time. Yep. And then every now and then there'll be like They're a like huge alert, leap right. because like somebody had been working on some system for six months in the background and then suddenly it's done. Which made some new thing possible. Right, and then right. all of a sudden there's like textures everywhere and cool lighting and physics. But I think it's, it's really good as if you're, if you're a player or even a dev to go see, especially a game like that, that has that much polish and is that big to see how shitty it just looks. How, <laughs> just how hideous and bad it was to start with um, and kind of what their process was going forward. So so I'd recommend checking that out. Um, maybe we just found it on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. So. Also, one more Blizzard news item. Classic WoW servers are happening. Yeah. So what does that mean? So World of Warcraft came out in 2004, started development in like, I think 1999, mm-hmm. like early dev. Um, and every couple of years since its release, there's been an expansion pack. And every expansion pack has dramatically changed the game. And there's also been, they, they usually do sort of like... Th- patches on about a three-month schedule, some of which also introduce major new features. Um, And what that really means is that you... So, like, if you want to go back and play Diablo 2, you can. And it is as it was when you played it. Yeah, right? Because it it exists only on your computer, not as a a thing off in the cloud somewhere. And, I mean, yeah, they did do some some patching and stuff of Diablo 2, but the fundamental game is pretty much as it was. Um, And if you want to play wow as it was back when you maybe played it when you were a kid or in high school or you know whatever uh you can't mm-hmm. unless you go to some shady private server you know and you don't know what the fuck they're doing <laughs> um and so this has been something that has been in demand for a long time is is the ability for players to play the game as it used to be and not the modern version of the game part of it may be nostalgia uh, but the fact is it's just a fundamentally completely different game now yeah. And so some people just prefer the way the game used to be. And that's evidenced by their, uh, the, the private servers that have popped up that have uh, old school World of Warcraft on them. The most popular one was called Nostalrius, which had 800,000 users, right. which is a pretty seems like enough. <laughs> seems like enough to run a server. And I saw a screenshot know. when, so, so Blizzard actually uh, had a legal action against Nostalrius and they shut down that server and... Uh, so the company that was running that server, they made an announcement to their players and said, yeah, we have to shut it down. Here's the date. And uh, so many players logged into their characters and you could see in like the main capital city, it was just thousands and thousands. It was like an ocean of characters of people sort of like mourning the loss of the server, you know. Maybe so I mean, there's a lot that they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what was interesting yeah. is um, the I can't remember the name of the uh, the director over at Blizzard who is sort of heading this thing up. Mm-hmm. But he had been asked a question at BlizzCon a couple of years ago about about classic WoW servers. And his answer was, you think you want that, but you don't. Trust me, you don't want that. Like, the game is so much better now. Mm. Um, and they've done a complete about face on that, I think, in seeing the community yeah, reaction sure. to these things. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a great business move. I know it's going to be incredibly challenging for them because they've been updating all their infrastructure the whole time. Yeah, I don't know how you just, like, Put it back. Yeah, you yeah. don't. Yeah, you don't get, like get reset. Yeah. So, so what, what, yeah. So what this is going to be is is they're gonna they're gonna have to build entirely new servers uh, as well as update or sort of like rebuild the original game because they can't just like undo shit, right? Um, yeah, the funny thing when they did the announcement, they basically just replayed. They played all of the cinematics backward all the way yeah. up to the first game. And so the thing hysterical. is like. I'm going to play on this shit. <laughs> I'm going to play this because I've actually, I've really just fallen off of wow over the past few years because I feel like the game has really lost a lot of adventure and um, sort of sense of wonder and all that stuff that used to be there back then, which I'm pretty confident is like 85% nostalgia yep. like, that I'm feeling. 
But also, which I think is that was probably the argument for you think you want right, this, right, right? But you do. But the fact is that like people thought they wanted it, they went and played on these private servers, and then like fuck yeah, and then they just kept playing on them, which right. means that like there's they some, do there's want some it. meat there, right? And <laughs> right. so so I want I want to go back and and just see like just how stark it is. Uh, so that's going to be pretty cool. Uh, other industry news. What else we got? Yeah. iPhone X. X is everywhere. Yeah. We got we got X's. We got the iPhone X. We got the Xbox One X. Right. So I'm just gonna put out a request. Could you quit putting X's on stuff? <laughs> there was first no. it was S's. Yeah. And it was X's. It was the iPhone 5S and 6S and 7S, and then it was the Xbox One. Can we S? Get, you know we had like no. <laughs> why don't we do that versioning system where you just pick you know like a different animal name. Or something fun. Uh, like, like a Buntu style? Yeah. Where you're yeah. like, this is this is the iPhone antelope. Yeah. Or the Android. Where to be like fair, it doesn't have quite a good ring to it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that's coming out. Um, and the well, iPhone X is particularly interesting because for us as devs and for all game devs in particular on the App Store, which there are hundreds of thousands of. I think millions. I think millions. There. millions point. I think there are yeah. millions. <laughs> uh, we have to update our games to be able to work with the fact that First of all, the corners are round. This is the first screen without corners in the universe without fucking corners. And what ends up happening then is, and with a hole on the left side and yeah, with, or right side, depending on how you hold it. So <laughs> basically, there's there's this safe space problem on the phone, and that's a term used in UIs to say essentially where you cannot put stuff because it might be obscured at some point. Now the problem is on the iPhone X, uh, from what we've experienced building for it three of the four edges are safe spaces where we cannot put things so in other words if you yeah, want a not hot safe bar, for us correct right yeah. dangerous spaces so uh if you want to put a hot bar for example on the bottom of the screen you actually need to bump it up now because there's be- a little there's a little swipey bar thing mm-hmm. that just sits there in the way for reasons so <laughs> now we have to bump that up which means it's kind of just Floating. Except here's the other problem. This is the widest, or the, I guess the longest phone that exists. There's a mm-hmm. 2.17 by one aspect ratio. So normally you're at 16 by nine, which is like a, a Galaxy, you know, S7 or eight or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a 16 by nine, uh, which is 1.77 by one. So this is 2.17 by one. So it's like considerably, it's, just, it's like a skateboard. Skinnier. It's right. like, it's super long. <laughs> And by having that little swipey bar thing on the bottom, if you're in landscape mode, that actually collapses the vertical space of the screen even more. So you're yeah. playing on this like weirdly super long skinny device, skinny rectangle thing without corners, with a hole on the side and with yeah, a bar on so, the bottom. <laughs> so it's, it's real weird. Here's the thing. It's a beautiful gadget. It's very pretty. It's got all kinds of fancy tech in there, but it's going to be a... It's going to be hard yeah, so if you, to get if games you, adapted If to you it. get an iPhone X and you download some games and it's uncomfortable, you just give us some time. Give us some time. <laughs> literally the entire games side of the store has to go rebuild everything. Well, and, and most won't. Most yeah. won't. Most won't. Because yeah. so, most games don't make enough money. Most games are old now, so they right. aren't being updated. So it's actually going to be the case that most apps and games probably uh, look ugly on that. Yeah, or they're, or, <laughs> yeah, or they're, yeah they're just going to not be fully compatible yep. with this thing. Mostly, I just hope that this doesn't bring on a new, you know, brave era of weird where manufacturers screens. are just like, you what know if what? We made I'll, it a triangle. Yeah, what if it was just a triangle? What if we made the screen that's like a donut shape? You know, you just got a big hole in the middle. Mm. No, not even no corners. It's just a circle, just a circle with a hole in the middle. That'd be kind of cool, yeah. actually. That would be. And then yeah. the middle is one is a giant home button, we'll and your the, phone is a disc. We'll call it the Donut X. The Donut X. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a theory that that Xbox's naming convention is modeled after the PlayStation controller. Because first they had the Xbox One, which is an O that's like a, the circle, right? Okay. Then mm-hmm. it was the Xbox One uh, X, which is now the, you got the cross, oh, okay. right? And so uh, then, then there's X. X can be Xbox One Delta. That's going to be the next. And also mm-hmm. Xbox 360. Or sorry, 360 is the circle. Right. X is the cross. Then there's a square, which is the box. Mm. There's there's something in there. I feel like I feel like there's something. In there. <laughs> this, is some, this is some like numerology shit. Yeah, this is some, some conspiracy <laughs> shit. But it's going to be Xbox One Delta. I mean, it's going to have to be change. That's a triangle, by the maybe, way. Maybe maybe there's actually like a, a secret sort of shell corporation in between Microsoft and Sony, and Whoa. Sony actually owns Microsoft. <sighs> yeah, and this is them just hinting at it. From their Illuminati towers. I think this gets back to our Microtendo discussion. Microtendo. Well, this is going to be, for now, this is going to be... Uh, Microni. Microni, <laughs> which is going to be when Microsoft and Sony fuse souls. 
I don't know what Nintendo's going to do with this later, but uh, yeah, so the iPhone X came out. It's going to be a lot of work for everybody, so that's cool. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what it is, it is what it is I mean, I, I'm so... not, I don't mean to disparage or anything. It's just no, 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 it but didn't it, have to be like this. It didn't have to, but, but to me, it is nuts that, that the dominant selling point of your platform is all the stuff that other people have made. Where mm-hmm. they've and the, the reason that they get to do that is because it's the apps. A, it's the apps. It's a yeah. very clear set of rules, which is that you got a rectangle, you can tap on it. So that's how this thing go works. Nuts. That's go, how it go works. nuts, right? And and then they and they added features, which is great. Like they added 3D touch. They added. They're adding AR. They're adding all. They're adding features that you can then make use of in your in your apps, right? And then all of a sudden they were just like, what if we just start ruining all of this, right? So. Screens having corners, I feel like, has been one of those sacred truths of technology <laughs> Yeah, that in the church of technology, we don't question corners mm-hmm. on screens. Yeah. They're well, there. Yeah. It's very useful. Doing calculations on rectangles is very good. Very easy. And it's actually the case that, that the iPhone X uh, processor still renders those corners. Of course it does. And it still renders under the notch. Because so, that's how everything works. Right. So because it's rectangle, rectangles, right? Mm-hmm. But so if you take a screenshot on your iPhone X and then send that to your email or whatever, you'll see it's a it's a rectangle. Which is also weird. There's for just us. shit on it that you couldn't see. Because yeah. now when we should we, just hide secret messages behind the notch. Right. Because now <laughs> if we say we shift the UI around and then you take a picture of it. It's going to just look like things are just kind of floating things in there. Are, yeah, because we have to like we have to pull the UI inward. Mm-hmm. So it's fl- so it's off of the edges. Anyway, that's happening. Before we get too deep, let's get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> um, one final piece of industry. Oh yeah. So the Xbox One X. I don't know. It's a new. Whatever. It's like faster. All right. Uh, Hand of Fate <laughs> Two. Yeah. That's coming out today. So yeah. So we usually don't talk about uh, sort of uh, like newly launching games because there's just so damn many of them. Um, this one's good. But the so Hand of Fate was one of my favorite games from I think like two years ago, and I played. It, I picked it up over over Christmas. Just sort of like one of those random, this looks neat, uh, turned out to be super fun. And uh, I don't, you, know, you go, go check it out if you want to check it out. But their, their sequel is launching today. And we also met that team at PAX and ended up giving them a controller to borrow for the week because they had their Xbox various, One controller wasn't working. Yes. They needed the Xbox One X. S controller. Which, of course, we had. Yeah, we had one. So um, <laughs> so we actually got to meet their team, and, and they're a bunch of really good people. So uh, a huge congrats to them for, for launching this Yeah. Thing. And I'm going to be playing it sometime soon, hopefully over Thanksgiving. Sometime soon? All the time, all the time soon. soon. Yeah. All right, so that's all industry news we've got. We also have some studio news. Right, what we got? Is, just keeps on coming. All right, yeah. I mean, hey, October, mm-hmm. you know? All right, so we launched Crashlands in China. Yep, that happened. That happened. Uh, yep. It was really interesting in that only one person in the studio was able to know what the hell was going on. Which I kind of like this which is, <laughs> which is Which is sure, because he's he's from China, he speaks Chinese, mm-hmm. he reads Chinese, he writes Chinese. He knows. He knows, he knows what's happening over there. We don't know. I will say, this was, it was kind of an interesting strategy because it did insulate literally the entire rest of the studio from the usual sort of burnout that occurs because you're just sort of trying to keep up with all the news. Yeah, so we kind of, we played support roles. So some of us were kind of like feeding him grapes. Some of us were fanning him, yep. you know, um, as he was kind of overheating yep. from the sort of all the sensory input. Yep. But it went, it went pretty well. Pretty well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and he's, he did a fantastic job, which I think was the most fun thing to see. So, um, so yeah, it is live in China now and, and it's been sort of cooking over there for a while. So we'll see what happens is that continues to go on and what we can share about that. I don't know. So we're going to I don't say know, yeah, I but if you have any questions about it, um, just go to podcast.bscotch.net and throw some questions in there and then we'll figure out whether we can answer them because yeah. there's a lot of stuff about the process just because we worked with a publishing partner that we may not be able to talk about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure we can say though, that it was launched on the Wii game platform. It's on Wii game. Yeah. We can say where it is, Yeah, which is, <laughs> which is 10 cents new. Um, new-ish, I guess, at this point. Actually, no, I guess they really just officially launched it. They officially launched it recently, yeah. Yeah, so it was kind of like in a beta sort of phase mm-hmm. for a long time. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's Tencent's sort Steam of... Competitor, Steam competitor. Steam yeah. uh, and, competitor. Uh, and so we were published by Tencent on Wii Game. That's right. Yeah. Other than that, can tell you That's that how that so went. Um, we also have opened up uh, fan art submissions, which mm-hmm. is at bit.ly slash bscotchfanart. So if people want to, you know, make some dope ass pictures of flux, you know, throwing a saddle on a wampet and riding it around or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, 
do that, send it over to bit.ly slash bscotch fan art. Yep, and every week we'll check in on that and then uh, post the post some some of them onto our, our Twitter and Instagram and that sort of thing. So if you want to see your work and have it spread out a lot around the rest of the Butterscotch community, then feel free to submit it. Yeah. Um, we also have, uh, let's see, last week we did a, a Scuffle Buddies announcement. So oh, yeah, that happened too. Talk about that, Sam. Good Lord. So, so this is interesting. So we, we put together the Cinemagraph, which is this moving movie thing. Moving um, movie. A moving movie. And released it out into the wild on Thursday of last week. And the thing is that a lot of the marketing run-up uh, for Scuffle Buddies that is currently being done is is actually more so angled toward current fans of the studio and current fans of our games. And Scuffle Buddies is our next game. Yes. It certainly just, just is. Just to make it clear yeah. what we're talking about. And so uh, we haven't released much information about what the actual game type is. We haven't released basically anything about it in terms of like nuts and bolts. Here's how this thing works. Here's what you can expect to do. No screenshots exist, blah, 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 blah. And so the, the question we had was, okay, if we if we put together uh, just a fun a fun sort of cinematographic image and then tell a story with with sound where you can sort of hear stuff going on. And this is, this is the sound that happens in the game. So you can sort of imagine, take yourself on a mental journey to figure out kind of what might be going on. Uh, what would the outcome be as far as as far as press, would press be even interested in this? Um, would our fans be interested in this? Will they hate us for it? You know, what's the situation? Here? Yeah. Well, so one question is, why are we doing this and not showing gameplay? And so the, the major reason is that uh, what we found with our previous games is because we iterate as a development style. We iterate so quickly that we can have an about face in terms of both how the game looks or how it actually functions on a gameplay level uh, week to week. Right. And so any given system, if we actually start talking about it this early then it's highly likely that it will either be modified or gone for launch. So yeah. uh, that's the one thing we're trying to avoid is basically trying to figure out how to, how do we talk about what is essentially the core essence of this game, which is going to be the same. And with Crashlands, that was the case that it, it remained the same in essence the whole way through, uh, just in terms of the actual execution changed. So how do we talk about that without sort of accidentally pigeonholing ourselves or doing something stupid? And so a big part of it is is working on marketing toward the feeling of the thing and sort of the overall uh, aspects of it rather than the nuts and bolts of how the systems work. So, the so there's, a, there's actually an interesting question I have about this because I'm thinking about how the cinemagraph was received, mm -hmm. which like you said, the press were like, meh. Yep, you know. press basically didn't care except for uh, Tetrarchade, thankfully. Yeah. But even their article was like, we don't even know what this is, so right. who cares? So, so yeah, <laughs> so that we, so our, our view toward marketing is basically we should focus on how things feel, mm -hmm. right? However, we have to consider our audience, which is at the moment nobody cares about this game unless they've already played some of our other games. So basically we have, we have existing fans who uh, are probably going to be pretty pumped about this regardless of how we try to Correct. frame it. Well, right? so that's, that's basically what we ended up seeing is that, and that was the guess as far as how the breakdown was going to be. But I think the, the starkness of it was much more so than I anticipated. So I assumed that at least like a few press outlets, because it's a very, it's a cool little thing. And if they haven't reported on the game before, it's an easy sort of, Oh, this game's sort of in the works. Here's something's cool happening. Game. Something's happening. Uh, got none of that. Uh, but the, and then you have the, the sort of cohort of our fans who are just interested in whatever we're doing next. And it did actually work in the way we in intended, which is sort of ratchet up the excitement a bit on there. Uh, get people sort of asking questions about what the things are, how the, what appears to be a trap in the middle of the screen works, what the glistening ham is doing, all this stuff. Uh, and then there's another cohort of fans, which basically, I think the question is essentially, do you give enough information in one of these things for people to actually be satisfied with watching it? And while on our side, I think because we have the full mental model of how the game works, when we look at, when, when I personally looked at that image, I was like, this is giving a lot away. Right. <laughs> um, but of course, as someone who has no context, then you're, you're like, looking what? at it and you're like, you just have to guess a lot, but you have no idea. Right. Yeah. And so we haven't, we still haven't shown the main character. You haven't actually shown any of the buddies, haven't shown just anything. Um, and so it ended up being this thing where it's a cool little, little image, but it basically doesn't give enough away to essentially bring new people into the fold. Right. So it ended up being so it basically squarely directed at our existing fans or people who are sort of already interested, which is fine. And it was an interesting, it ended up being a very interesting uh, sort of outcome for the whole thing that I think taught us a ton on the marketing side for what we're going to be doing next. But, um, but it, it, it did go with the newsletters out. I mean, that thing's been doing well. And, and like the, the overall fan reception has been fantastic, but there's those two other cohorts, which is new people or people who are mildly interested in our stuff, but actually want info before they're willing to like, you know. Yeah. And so, so it kind of begs the question of, it's very likely that, that at the moment, because of the people who are paying attention, that we should shift our, our Correct. marketing angle more toward really just talking about like the nuts and bolts, possibly. 
Well, like, no, like, no, well no, there's, two, there's two there's strategies. Two shifts, one yeah. is we focus just on our existing fan base for now. Right. And, and focus, not worry about the press. And not worry yep. about the press. And then once we, and then once we actually are, want to start showing game, game content, because right. the game, it's, you know, it's solidified and stuff, uh, then we start to try to looping in press and new people and, and all yeah. of that. Right. Yeah, because we because we could also do because with Crashlands, basically our marketing strategy entirely was dev blogs, mm-hmm. and then as we approached launch, we we're like, all right, we'll we'll try to get some press involved, right? right? Um, and so there's there's not necessarily a reason why we can't sort of mix a lot of those things together. The problem was that I think with Crashlands, we just didn't really think a lot about the press angle effectively Correct. until way way right. late. So. Right. So I think, yeah, the, the next thing we'll probably be doing is, is shifting actually more toward a fan first strategy for the for the time being, because it's also lower effort for us considerably because we can say we don't have to scream as loud. Yeah. You just <laughs> send a, you just send out a newsletter and say, we don't have to have embargoes. Here's some content. Have, we can even do blog posts on the site. Yeah. You know? Or here's an asset from the game. You know, here's like a, a, one of the creatures. Here's the game a gif of a buddy. Um, you'll get excited. And people gif. will be like, cool. But once we actually want to shift over to that press angle, then it's a different beast where the level of polish needs to go up and then the overall framing of everything needs to be really tight. Right. Cause, so the, cause the problem is like fans are excited Correct. and we have to make press excited. Yes. Right. So, and, and that way they, by being excited, make non fans excited mm-hmm. who then become fans later. Right. Um, so and that requires actual information. That's the truth because like people can't, people you can't, can't get, get excited, excited about, about nothing. Right. <laughs> we're not, thinking, we're not, you're, we're still not at that level where if we announce that we're making a thing, then a group of people, there's not a big enough fan base for that to right. actually work, essentially. Right. Just as not yet. Not yet. Are we, although we we very much appreciate the ones who are there and are excited. Oh yeah, no, I think that was that was the one thing that, that came out about this is that you know there's a big cohort of people who are very pumped about this thing. Happening. Yeah, even though we haven't told them anything. Correct. They got uh, some good guesses though. Yeah, so that's kind of what happened with the Scuffle Buddies announcement. So we'll we'll probably be we'll be refining our ideas this over the next couple of weeks about how to approach this and then we'll, do we'll talk about yeah. this more on the podcast. Um, all right. So let's get on to some questions. We've got like 12 minutes. Let's do it. Burn it down. So, uh, just a big news, big news week. All right. So first question comes from anonymous who says, have you guys considered the implications of PVP and PVE in player behavior? In my experience, players tend to act a lot nicer and be more forgiving when their opponent isn't another human for some reason. Maybe this difference tripped blizzard. Also, I forgot to say, these questions do come from podcast.bscotch.net. So if you want to ask a question, then head on over there. So, yeah, so PvP versus PvE. Well, this is an interesting thing. Adam actually found an article yesterday about creating teams and the idea of of, uh, tribes that I think was really interesting and and sort of relates to this, which is when you're on a team uh, in a video game and you're, because the reality is actually the same. Like you're, you're going against an opponent in both cases, right? It's a question of whether or not your opponent is a human being or just a stupid AI. It's probably things. just as toxic, except that the toxicity is now being pointed at a robot. Correct. Instead of a human being. Because that does happen. Where it does like, happen. You're like, God damn, that druid of the fang or whatever, you know. But, you know, great. thinking about about my uh, experiences in, in old school WoW, actually, uh, which there was a lot of PvP, especially early in the, in the game's conception, uh, where you joined a faction... So you had you you run the horde or whatever, and then there was the alliance who you could see running around in the world, and you could kill them, and you couldn't talk to them. Like if you tried to if you tried to mm-hmm. say stuff, it would just come out of like as jumbled weirdness. Um, and so you couldn't actually have those toxic interactions with your opponents, which weirdly kind of made it seem like you know it, was, it felt more like PVE in the sense that you had teammates who are players, and then there's this kind of weird like. Person per, per thing running around mm-hmm. that's like saying some stuff, but you don't know what the fuck they're, they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, so I think that's kind of like an interesting middle ground. Like you can talk to your teammates and your opponents can like, well, know, but the gesture is, and stuff. The but, thing is, even in a, in a game like Overwatch, which we talked about uh, last week with regard to toxicity, uh, the toxicity is within your team. That is true. Right? Yeah. So that's the problem. And same thing with, with League. Even if you blocked, they, they did a thing for a while where they just blocked all chat from being possible. So you couldn't, you couldn't talk to, the other side, which or I think they might even just disable that by default now or something like that. So you have to kind of opt in. But the interesting thing about that, of course, is that it still doesn't stop the team dynamic problem. Yeah. Well, so, and part of that comes from the fact that because you have only so many slots on your team, that having somebody there who's like a dick mm-hmm. means that you could have had somebody who wasn't a dick, but that slot was taken. Right. So it's not like a game where 
you can just like keep throwing more and more people at each other and they keep going at each other like as a huge group, right. you know, because then like any rando comes in and you're like, yeah, come on, you know, it'll be nice. Like maybe you'll die instantly, but it'll be nice to have that one <laughs> bullet that you can squeeze in, you know? Um, so I think, I think the mechanics do kind of dictate how people behave right toward each other. Well, it was an interesting article that Adam found was talking about the, the idea of being able to produce a conception in a group of being on the same team versus being on, like versus some enemy. So your tribe versus, I think in the article you called it Xeno, but just alien, right? So your tribe versus others. And this is the thing humans do naturally, literally all the time. Like we're just subdividing. Constantly. Yeah, well, we, we define ourselves by what we aren't just as much as what we are. Correct. Right? Yeah, you, we, we oftentimes need some sort of oppositional point to feel like we're connected to other people even. Right. So it's almost this weird question of like, can you, is the, is the conception of a, of a tribe even possible without some sort of alien other? Or does that make it tighter? So this whole idea of like when, when a nation goes to war, oftentimes the bonds between people inside the nation seem like they're better because there's sort of this external right. thing that everyone is bounded against. Um, but so the interesting thing with, with this toxicity question is like, how do you, cause you are on a team. Yeah. Well, but, but are you though? Because, because all the, I mean, in, in, in most, cause it's random and, and actually you aren't paired up with the same people most of the right. time. And in fact, if you were, most of that would have to go away because you can't keep because people people wouldn't tolerate that. <laughs> right, right. Um, I think yeah, random matchmaking. It's is random actually, matchmaking it's is the, the problem, and that would be a problem it. whether it was PVE or PVP because it's that when you put a team of people together who have a common goal, but they don't see they don't actually see themselves as a team because they only see themselves as because it's just it's ego driven, right? Mm. Uh, it's it, pe- people in in these games have a very selfish motivation to just get the biggest number or whatever, right? Or to increase their own personal rank. Mm-hmm. Well, this yeah. is the, this is the small town, big city effect, right? Which is like, if you're in a, if you live in a really small town of, you know, a few thousand people, everybody knows everybody. We've talked in the past about how like uh, our grandpa's farm had a big, you know, like wind gust that ripped their barn apart. And then this happened to a whole bunch of other farms in the area. People live within like one mile of each other and that's it. It's mm-hmm. like one person per mile. right? And everybody just came together and they spent the whole day helping each other rebuild their stuff. Right. right? And in the city, like if somebody's got like a flat tire, you're like, yep, yep, sucks for that person. Yep. No, actually, you probably don't even think about it. You're just like, no. And then you just keep driving. Um, and so there's that, the, the less likely it is that you have to interact with a person again, mm-hmm. then the less likely it is that you're going to put any, you're not going to invest in that relationship whatsoever. Or even, or even act in such a way that you'd put them ahead of yourself, which is really the important point, right? Yeah. Because, because no they can't, they can't return the favor because right. you'll never see them again. Right. So I think that's, I think the, the general idea of, it probably is the case that the general idea of matchmaking is actually one of the biggest issues here. Yeah. And everyone's approach has actually been the same always, which is just random. matchmake based on random skill. Well, and, and, and just random people, period. Yes. And, and it's because their goal as, as makers of games is to make sure that nobody has to wait, has, is to minimize wait time until somebody can get into a so game. So you've optimized wait time as opposed to the actual the experience actual once experience. you're in a game. Well, yeah, because what you also have to bear in mind is what you're doing while you're waiting is talking to people. Yeah. Well, not in these games. I don't want to talk to anybody. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> it's probably because you there is no wait time. There is no wait time, and everybody's so an you don't want to talk to everybody, yeah. hmm. right? So we like we used to talk. We talked about how uh, if you wanted to form a, a dungeon group, yeah, you know, bef- like in in WoW before the dungeon finder existed, you would go to a city and you'd be like, "Hey, I'm a healer and I'm looking for blah," and you like you go to your friends list. Grab a couple people and you'd be like, "Yep, we got three people. We need two more." And then a couple people would Even chat old you up. Diablo too, when you wanted to go in and play with somebody, you know, yeah, you go to a chat room. Yeah, you go to a chat room, try to find some people who are about ready to play. Mm. Try to like figure out who's just interested in the same yeah, this problems that you're tra- trying to solve. Is one of the problems that that League used to have, and they they solved it with a system which stopped toxicity at one particular point. But it used to be the case that you, when you got put into a match, you just randomly got put into a match with five people, which means. Everybody might have wanted to play the same position. It'd be like if you went to a like a pickup basketball game and everybody, everybody on the team was like a defender or something like that. Like I don't really know the basketball position. I don't even know if that's a basketball yeah, position. I think, I think it, everybody was, it was point, like if, if everybody's a point guard. Everybody's gonna be the go. three pointer. The three pointer. Uh-huh. So yep. the three pointer. The, oh, the, dunk, <laughs> the dunker. The, yeah, dunker. the dunker. So if everybody showed up <laughs> and everyone's like, oh yeah, I'm here to dunk, and then everybody else was like, me too, and everyone says, oh shit. And then we can't all dunk. We can't all dunk. And then there's some scrabbling. <laughs> there's and only one dunker. Per someone team. wins, but everybody else loses. So they introduced this new system where you actually declare what you want to play before you get into the match. And then they sort of match you appropriately, which is taking the toxicity out of that particular piece of it. But at the same time, there's no there's no human element to the matchmaking, which is probably an interesting 
<laughs> but again, I, I think I think a lot of it does come down to if you're if you're confident that you're never going to see these people again, you will never put them first. I don't yeah. think you have to put people first. Like, why would you have to put people first? Well, you just no, have no, to, it's, no, it's you the, just have to be fucking not be an asshole. No, but it's the idea of like by by going out of your way to do something for that person, like doing a favor, like not not just not being a dick, but actually doing them a kindness in some capacity, right? So it's like if you encounter somebody and they're like, "Oh man, like I need this weapon," and it's in this dungeon, and you're thinking, "Well, I don't need to run that dungeon," but sure, why not? Like it sounds like fun, right? And you're doing that to help them out. But if you will, if, if you could never add them to your friends list, if you could never see them again or whatever, you're going to be a lot less likely to, to do that thing because no relationship can come of it. No long-term anything can come back to you, right? By being good to that person. Well, I think it's also the case though, that you may not even need to be doing the kindest thing so much as just having actual manual creation of a group to go into match. So think about an overwatch, for example, if you're thrown into like a, a chat with another 500 people or something like that. And people are like, oh, we like we're putting we're putting together a group. We already have like these. We already have some tanks figured out. We need some some people who play the damage characters. Yeah, and we're we're all in. casuals. This is just for fun, right? Yeah, and we don't give you, a shit. Because yeah. the thing is, like, you could you would pull people in, and you'd have to self select. You'd have to select up front. Yeah, so somebody be like, ooh, I'll be a sniper, and you bring that person in, and maybe they're being a dick. During during the formation of yeah, right. the team, and you're like, <laughs> kick them out, add them to a blacklist. Right, you're like, no. Yeah. So the thing is, because because it is, you're absolutely right that it's, it's been optimized for uh, maximizing playtime as yeah. opposed to potentially maximizing relationships, relationships. the social yeah. experience of the playtime. Well, because people, for some reason, believe that the battle part or whatever is the gameplay and not the whole Not game. the whole thing. Yeah, not the whole experience. Well, but this, I think this is going to create, or this has created a, uh, just a long-term chronic problem because- with the increases in tech so that because of the, the infrastructure that, you know, Blizzard has with like Overwatch where or that or that uh, Rocket League has you know, where they can basically they've got so many people playing and they have such good infrastructure that their wait times can be on the order of, of seconds. Mm-hmm. And that becomes now an expectation. So now if you go into another game, say like if you go into old school Diablo 2 right. and and you've been playing and you've only played Overwatch. <laughs> right, right. Where where there's no social experience, not not one that's intended, um, and and everything's about getting in the game as fast as possible. You're probably not going to play this other one very long because you're going to be so frustrated with how slow you've been groomed that like you've been groomed to wait for, to to get into the you, to the game. You click play on the Blizzard launcher, and then all of a sudden your hair just blows back, and you're just like <laughs> right. explosions. Is this, <laughs> is this not just like a sort of a microcosm of what's happened just in the world in the last twenty years or so? I mean, I. Everything's gotten yeah. so instant and so everything easy is to very do instant. But I think that I, people are actually more lonely and sort of angry than they have been, right? I mean, because it turns out that the time between things happening is when you form relationships with people. <laughs> I mean, it depends <laughs> on what kinds of things are happening. So I would, yeah. I would take it that far because there's no reason why. Because like having a chat where you can instantly communicate with somebody mm-hmm. is, of course, really good as a social tool. Absolutely. So, and that's basically what things like you know Twitter and email and whatever Texting, are. Yeah. Uh, the problem is with those the, that the the broader design of, of these things doesn't, doesn't necessarily serve that same goal. So I don't, I don't think it's the same. I think all of these have a different set of problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the thing that is consistent is that communication just as a thing has become way easier. Uh, but all the people providing those, those tools and those, those means uh, have basically ignored the question of what are my ethical responsibilities here? Like, what is this, what is this tool going to do to the way that people communicate? Right. Right. Based on how I've designed it, and then how do I resolve that? And so then you, but then you end up with with these companies that are making enormous amounts of money off of these things that they've made, having not thought about the ethical consequences of it ahead of time. Who now, for some reason, believe they can't actually address those issues, mm-hmm. and so they just leave them as they are. And uh, and then there we are. There we are. Mm. Yeah, it's a problem. And actually, this makes me think. In Bscotch ID, we added the random friend button. Which almost all of our player reporting has come from that. Yep. Yep. Because it's like, you've been matched up by the friend finder. And then someone's like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just weird, but it makes sense, right? Because you didn't have to try to get that didn't relationship. Didn't have to talk to anybody. Didn't have to. Yep. 
I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't really make sense that somebody would be no, it does like not. that. But that think, person <laughs> is just an asshole. That just no, an asshole. it makes perfect sense. Yeah, there's because there's whole this whole. Well, yeah, it makes sense because people because there are a lot of assholes. Yes, but it doesn't actually. It doesn't actually make sense. I think it's a behavior we could have predicted. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think there's a reason why you don't. The reason why you don't see people behave like this face to face is that if you see somebody on the street and you're like, <laughs> "Fuck you," right? <laughs> There's a potential future outcome of that. Yeah. Right. Other people still also do that. <laughs> they still do that, but not as frequently not as, as they frequent, do in yeah. video games. Yep. Uh, because, because not only can that person, is there, there going to be no future sort of relationship consequence in a game because you're never going to see that person again. There's also no consequence at all. They can't do anything about it. Yep. They just have to receive your they can't just hatred. slap you across the mouth. For being mouthy. Yeah. Yep, they, or, or like they could leave, but now they're abandoning a game in progress and right. they're abandoning their team. Right. Yeah. Although it is funny how much people who just want to spout abuse at other people feel like somehow that's their right. And then if you, if you find a way to make them stop that somehow now you have, yeah, now you're, you're the one who's yeah. actually done something. <laughs> right. It's like when you, when you mute or block people on like Twitter or whatever, you know, uh, those people get so fucking irate. Well, well <laughs> muting them is great because they don't even know that it yeah. happened. Muting is the best. Yeah, if you mute someone on Twitter, it, there's no notification. They can keep sending you messages as long as they want, and you will just never see them. It's great. <laughs> so it's I like tool. it. Uh, do you guys want to hit one more question real quick? Sure. Since we only is got it, one is in. Is it a quick one? It, it can be. Okay. Uh, does your team, this is a question from uh, Menelous, who says, does your team have a declutter principle? I suppose it would just take some work and decision-making, but any thoughts or tips? No specific domain, just general thoughts. A declutter? declutter so mine is to not have clutter in the first place so humans we like to have things mm-hmm. and then we're like where the fuck am i gonna put this thing I'll and then we throw it, it in this pile then we throw it in the pile mm-hmm. right so one of the things that we that i've been really pushing against in the studio is we have we all have desks our desks do not have drawers mm-hmm. and we every now and then somebody's like man i really want a drawer for all this crap i have on my desk <laughs> <laughs> uh and we're always like, no, just have less crap. Uh, because as soon as you have a place to put things out of sight, then that place just fills up with nonsense that you don't mm-hmm. actually need. And so, you know, we have had a bit of a a bit of a declutter sort of principle, I guess. But well, I think the one of the good rules is anytime you move stuff, throw it away. Always instead. try to throw throw it away. <laughs> anytime, anytime you have to interact with something, you should be evaluating whether you should be or not like, why am I you should have that thing. any energy on this right yep, now. Just yeah. throw it away. Yeah, but and and otherwise for my for my digital life, uh, then I I maintain the same sort of principle of not having clutter, um, and most because I, I try to interact with it all via the command line instead of looking at it, and mm. so that means I don't want to see a f- an infinite fucking list of things when I'm trying to figure, you know navigate my way through a folder structure or something, and so I also very rigorously delete stuff and mm. I keep things on cloud storage instead of locally so that I can just purge anything because that's my workspace, you know, in the same way that your desk is your workspace. Mm. Like the problem is that people use like they use their computers as storage machines and as workspaces at the same time. Right. But it's like it would be it would be as if you had a pile of garbage in your garage, which was also your workbench. Right. But the pile of garbage was your workbench. And you you use the garbage to make things that were themselves then more garbage you put in that pile. Right. Right. And so so I've just completely separated the concepts of digital storage from a digital workspace. I'm just trying to figure out how to tell you that my desktop. I've seen it. Covered it in- makes me die. <laughs> Every time I see it, I die a little bit. I use I use my desktop as an intermediary. Yep. Where I put things there temporarily right. while I'm working on yeah, them, it's a and then I get rid of them. I don't delete them at the moment. I purge them every so often when I'm like, this is just full of garbage. But I, I feel like the whole thing. Yeah, because what will happen then is somebody will go back and look at their desktop and be like, what is this? And I feel like if it's the moment you ask that question, just, just delete it. Like, cause if, <laughs> if you put it there and then like three weeks later, you don't even remember what it is. Yep. It's not going to be that important. Mm-hmm. So would you put it in Dropbox? Call it desktop November, you know, just, just <laughs> this is what my pile. desktop was in November. Be like something happened in November <laughs> in the pile. <laughs> well, this is from that algorithms that live by book. You talk about the best searching and sorting stuff. Like you don't spend any time sorting just spend your time piling your shit up put it in bin <laughs> have we'll have a have a way to search this has actually been my don't organize actually that's a search. good idea if you have a one folder in your desktop just called like desktop archives and then every <laughs> yeah. month just make a new folder you put all shit it is dated <laughs> of the month 
and just grab your whole desktop and cram it because in Because storage is essentially infinite and free right now. Because then you can just put that in Dropbox. Done. Yeah, I just delete all of that. I mean, you could also do that too, man. Whatever <laughs> yeah, because yeah, just the case. likelihood that you'll put something only on your desktop that actually matters and needs to be yes. used and preserved is, low. is very low. Should be very should low. Be. <laughs> should be or you've got the garbage pile workspace problem. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess some of us have a declutter principle in I think some it's capacity. Just, you know, just try not to have stuff, really. Having stuff is usually a bad idea. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, unless it's a clear mug. Because that really, that's very useful. Thing, so. uh, also, if it's stuff that you get from uh, our merch shop, which is at shop.bscotch.net, that's stuff that you definitely oh, yeah. should <laughs> Plus, uh, have. It doesn't just, create clutter because you can put all of it on your body. You can put it on. Yep. You can put a mug on. You can put stickers on your face. stickers on your face. <laughs> yep. You can put shirts on. You can, uh, well, I mean, I think when you're holding things in your hands, that, that is also wearing things. So yeah, you can and, wear the mugs in that sense. Yeah, in paintball rules, if anything you're carrying gets shot, that counts as you being shot. Correct. So, so it's, it's, it's an extension it's of, of yourself. Yeah, anything yeah. that's an extension of your body is not clutter. So, All right, well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, so we'd like to thank our studio wrangler, Monique, and the B-Scotch dev team for having our back while we record this podcast. Special thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. If you'd like to get more involved in the B-Scotch community, hop into our Discord server, which is now verified and over at discord.gg slash bscotch and come say hey. If you'd like to adorn your body with butterscotch merch, then you can head to our merch shop, which is at shop.bscotch.net. Uh, or if you'd like to adorn us with your merch, we have a mailbox, which is at mailbox.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to send us some candy or whatever, you know, some uh, perfumes. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. don't. Nope. No, I don't want because that's gonna break probably somewhere. Oh uh, yeah, it's gonna then, smell like yeah, shit. It's be bad. So never mind. Don't send <laughs> us anything that breaks. So you can send us scented oils mm-hmm. in a steel container. There you go. We'll take that. Yeah, that'll work as long as it doesn't. It's not a rusty steel container that then has holes in it that causes the stuff to run out of it. Yeah, that would be a bad shipping. Move. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. And right, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.